What's going on, guys? It's Yahavi David Sinclair Speaks, and you are now tuned in to the Sinclair Speaks show. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app and start your journey today. It's that time. Do it. You ready? Yep, I'm ready. Yo, bro, I'm going to let you know real quick, man. I've never been, um, you know, I never did acting before, but Mm -hmm. in high school, I was actually a class clown. So um, I sold comedy tickets for seven years in the streets of Times Square. So I use a lot of personality in what I do. Mm -hmm. So don't mind me, man. Don't mind me. You ready? Listen, I kind of go, listen, I'm free faller. I kind of like go with it. So, you yeah. know what I mean? I see, you know, you got to feed off of each other's energy. So, yeah. So, no, so I, I'm hyped. I'm hyped because I actually did like an episode with someone before and I'm like, I, I, there's a lot of things that I did wrong and I, I want to correct that stuff in this episode with you in particular and really just hit the ground running, but let's do it. What's going on guys? It's Yabby David Sinclair Speaks. You are now tuned in to the Sinclair Speaks show. What's going on, guys? I have Quentin Dukes here on the St. Clair Speak Show. Guys, now, for those of you that don't know, I'm pretty sure Quentin could definitely speak to this, but Quentin is actually a relationship and communication coach. Um, we're going to dive into a lot of questions today. You know, what's inspired him to get on this path? Uh, what this means for COVID-19, the relationships that you should be building, and what's communication and you're in a relationship or you have that business relationship, but there's no communication. So we're going to dive into that. I'm going to ask Quentin tons of questions. We're going to pick his brain and uh, we're going to go from there. Quentin, floor is yours, my friend. Good morning. How are you feeling? Um, how, how's, uh, how's the family doing with uh, COVID-19? You know, you just take it literally one day at a time, honestly. You know, everybody's in where it's like sheltered in place or you know, some people, they absolutely can't go out or if you're a part of a vulnerable population, so on and so forth. You have to just really figure out what really is what it looks like for you. You know, this is the new normal. So within the new normal, you have to most definitely kind of create your own reality, especially in these tight quarters. Um, and when we talk about communication, communication is definitely key because let me tell you, I think this is going to test a lot of people's relationships because you're in tight quarters. You know, before this hit, Say if you and your spouse, if y'all were getting on each other's nerves, you can most definitely, you can be like, I don't want to deal with that right now. Let me go to the gym. Let me blow off some steam. Well, right now you can't do that because the gym is closed. So it's forcing us to better get to know each other, communicate better, and also reach a solution. Mm. Reach a solution. Um, you, you, Jesse, you really just hit a point. You know, people can't go to the gym, blow off that steam. So what should someone do if they're in you know, maybe a new relationship and, you know, they just recently moved in together and um, they're spending a little bit more time than expected, of course, with everyone being in quarantine. What, what does this mean for relationships that's being tested with their patients, their emotions um, and communication? Because to be quite frank with you, you know, me and my significant other, you know, yo, we butt heads, you know, we're both new parents. So being under the roof, especially my daughter just turned one, two days ago. And 
it's like everyone has like more of a short temper. So, so yeah. what, what does this mean right now? What should we do? Well, here's the thing. So even if it's a new relationship, whether you've been dating or whatever, and this is one thing that a lot of people fail to realize, it doesn't matter how long you've been with someone, you know each other's triggers. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Thing. You know what to do to get on somebody else's nerves. You know what I mean? And so sometimes when we get into that defensive mode, we go for what I call from back at home, we go for the juggler or we go below the belt sometimes. You know what I mean? Because we just want to be done with the situation. Right. And you have to try not to do that. You have to try your best to be like, you know what? I need to take a break. Let me take a couple seconds. Let me go blow some steam off. And that just, you can go sit in the bathroom, <laughs> you know, go sit in the garage, go sit on the porch or whatever. And then when you're ready to come back, to be able to have that conversation in a way where your defenses are down and you're not going to take everything so personal, then you can come together and have that conversation. But guess what? It takes a lot of maturity to be able to do that. It takes a lot of maturity to get there. <laughs> a lot, a lot of maturity to get there. I think one of the things that I struggled with when I was younger, you know, being in relationships was communication. Um, part of that was accountability to, you know, just, like, just the little things. Um, but what, what do you tell someone who struggles with that communication factor? You know, it's hard for some people to express their emotions and communicate. What, what's the first step you would recommend for anyone to, even if they're not in a relationship, what if communicating with themselves, what's the first step they should do? The first step that I believe that someone should do is start to have a conversation with yourself mm. because that's practice. And I can speak to this because what I had to do before I started on this journey on myself is that sometimes I had to stand in the mirror and talk to myself. And I kind of joke around with it when I'm in, you know, conversation, I'd be like, you know, hey, Quentin, and Quentin said what? You know what I mean? And so from there, you're having a conversation with yourself. But also one thing that I will say is be gentle with yourself. Mm. Because a lot of people want to beat themselves up. Oh, I should have did this. I'm stupid for that. I'm stupid for this. If you start to say that to yourself, you definitely believe it. So when you start to talk to yourself, you start to get to know you intimately. A lot of people, you, you hear that. You know what I mean? So I'm not saying anything that's new or different. A lot of times people say, before you rush into another relationship, Build a relationship with yourself. Get to know yourself. Take yourself out on dates. Figure out what you like, what you don't like. Figure out what your morals, ethics, and values are. Figure out what your non-negotiables are. So because when you figure all that out, that's your toolbox. And once you have that toolbox, you can have a much more educated and informed conversation with somebody else to be able to say, listen, these are my non-negotiables. So if you meet somebody, and this is just a quick example, say they're a smoker. And you don't smoke. You get what I'm saying? And then y'all, you know, you want to build a life with somebody or whatever you want to eventually move in. You can kind of say, eh, listen, that's not going to work. You know what I mean? I don't want to change you. If you like smoking, that's your business. But that's not a thing for me. You know, so then you can kind of figure something out. Maybe the person may be inclined to want to change that behavior. Then, you know, that lends itself to another discussion. But if they're like, oh, nope, I'm setting my ways. I love smoking. It is what it is. And you know what? You can kind of chuck up the deuces and be like, you know what? It's been nice. Let me go over here. Let me figure out something different. Now, that's powerful. You know, uh, let, me, let me piggyback off that real quick because I want to throw something random at you that, that's very relatable to what you just said. Now, if you're in a relationship and you, well, I'm going to use me as an example not saying that my significant other does this, but I'm going to use me as a reference point. But 
I'm more comfortable with, because I have three younger sisters, I have more of a following. You know, I look at my Instagram, who looks at my posts more, males or females, a lot more females. You know, I have, I have a daughter, of course, so I'm all about, you know, female empowerment and the future is female. So what can you tell a male who is, you know, uh, really goal-oriented with his business, his brand, but the significant other kind of feels a way about, you know, the female employees, you know, and their communication and they're communicating at, you know, 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, going over like the business. And you're like, oh, you know, so let, let's talk on that. What, what does this mean for relationships as well, as far as just communication, business relationships, when it dives into personal? Well, here's the thing. So I'm glad you brought that up because the first word that popped into my head was boundaries. Mm. And this is one thing that people have to understand is that when you're single, you can maneuver the way you want to. You can swerve all over the road if that's what it is that you want to do. But right. when you get with somebody, and this is the one thing that I feel as though people tend to forget, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter if you have the ideal career or what have you working at the Fortune 500 company, whatever. You're the person that you decided to be with that's your equal, okay? Mm. So you have to be accountable to that individual, just like they have to be accountable to you. And the way that that was demonstrated to me, I'll just share a little bit, was my grandparents. My grandparents, listen, my grandmother, when she leaves the house, when she's getting ready to go somewhere, she checks in with my grandfather be like, hey, just want to let you know, I'm about to go hang out with so-and-so and so-and-so, and we might be out for two hours. And so a lot of people, especially people in my generation or our generation, they'll be like, I don't want nobody checking on me. I don't want anybody controlling me. That's not anybody controlling me. Mm. Someone who's controlling you would tell you, listen, you need to call me when you get there. You need to let me know who's going to be there. I ain't feel as though you need to be with that. Person. That's control. But this is, on the other hand, this is being accountable. And anything changes, you can kind of hit your spouse up and be like, hey, you know, things changed or what have you. Let you know, just to keep you abreast as to what's going on. And so when I think of boundaries, when it comes to that, you got to put yourself in your girlfriend or your wife's shoes. You get what I'm saying? She probably trusts you, more than likely trusts you, but at the end of the day, who wants to experience, you know, their significant other receiving a call at 10 o'clock or 12 o'clock at night? You know what I mean? You have to speak to that individual to be like, listen, I got a household. And this is the one thing that kind of like escapes me is that when you think about it, look at it this way. That person calls and creates some tension in your household. Right. So by y'all bickering and going back and forth or whatever the case may be, once that person gets off the phone, they can go back to their regular lives. Mm -hmm. So they've essentially created some tension between you and your significant other. So therefore you disrupting your household and they can go ahead and do what it is that they need to do, whatever. You know what I mean? So they don't have any accountability in anything. Well, all right. So let me dive into this real quick. So what does a, you know, a transparent relationship look like? Does it, does it look like the model um, for what you just referenced of, you know, with your grandparents, just letting that person know like, hey, I'm stepping out for two hours. Does that trans, is that transparent in a nutshell? I think that's a component of it. Okay. And so if I had to sum up everything, a transparent relationship, what it definitely looks like is when you have two people who can come together and they can coherent, coherently express, like I stated before, what their morals, ethics, and values are, what their goals are, like what they envision for the relationship, what their list of non-negotiables are, what they like, what they don't like, because here's the important thing. So when you're kind of, when you're courting or you're talking to each other, you, I, I look at it like this, like the car fast. You know, when you go get a car, you want that report because it's coming from somebody else. So you want to know what's going on. 
it's the same thing with people. So if you're able to come to the table with somebody and they're able to offer their quote unquote car facts, then guess what? That gives you power to be able to make an informed decision whether you want to move forward with them or not. Right. They treated you like an adult. They valued you as an equal. So that's that's the start of that transparent relationship. And so when you start to get into the relationship, if you keep that momentum going and you start to begin to still put things in your toolbox, like I said, when you figure when you really figure that person out, when you have that emotional intelligence where you're able to say, hey, I kind of know your triggers. I know your triggers. I know what you like, what you don't like, and all that other stuff. So when it comes down to having healthy conflict, because people always associate conflict with something that's negative, you can have healthy conflict. You know what I mean? But once you're able to take those tools out and be able to work together as a team, as a unit, to be able to say, you know what, let's come up with a solution. So the thing that you talked about before, you know what I mean? Where you're working, like say you're working with a lot of females and they don't know boundaries and you have to set the boundaries. Yeah should be able to partner with your spouse or girlfriend or what have you and be able to say okay acknowledge her feelings she should be able to acknowledge yours see each other's perspective not look past each other but see each other's perspective and then be able to say okay so what does this solution look like for the both of us so what is it that you how does it that you want me to handle these individuals so it doesn't spill over into our relationship and when you say that it's not like you're giving the power away Right. You know, you're just you're just trying to figure out what it is that the way she sees it from her perspective, because that's an important part, too. When a lot of times when we talk about things, we're seeing things from our perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so that's why you need that communication back and forth. And so if you can meet in the middle and come up with a solution moving forward, then that means, OK, we identified a solution. Now it's next. It, now it's time to implement it. And when during that implementation phase hopefully both of you can begin to honor and consistently honor what you discussed within the solution. So that's how it comes full circle. When you meet someone for the first time, you always get the best version of themselves. So when it comes to relationships and communication, do you use the same analogy when it comes to business? Like your business partners, what do you do to establish a solid business relationship and create that uh, communication with your team and your business and any similarities that you see with you know relationships as well oh yeah most definitely most definitely because you you brought up a good point when you meet somebody i call it putting on for the people <laughs> you know what i mean so you do you get that but you get that best version of them however as you kind of you have to ask some pointed questions you have to ask some pointed questions so for example say you're doing a collaboration like life coaching if I wanted to partner with, or someone came to me and said, hey, I want to collaborate with you and say they, oh, I'm doing life coaching and say that they are working on an app or something like that for personal wellness, personal wellness, because that's a huge thing right now. So here's the thing. So the reason why you have to ask point of questions is because about branding, you have to make sure that your branding aligns, you know what I mean? So it's the same thing. It's like in a relationship, when you are asking those questions, you're essentially vetting that person to be able to say okay well where do we meet in the middle are we a good fit are we not a good fit it's the same thing in business you're vetting that person so you're going to ask pointed questions to be able to say hey to hopefully come to a conclusion like okay we can most definitely you know work together or you know what this is not a good endeavor for me right now maybe we can work together somewhere down the line but while you're vetting each other you're asking those questions you're still using the same tool because even to your brand, you're going to have what you like, what you don't like, 
what your brand is supposed to represent, what are some non-negotiables, because guess what? If you mess up your branding, sometimes there's no coming back from that. And yeah. so you have all these things that you have. It's the same thing in relationships. So they're very, it's not the same, but it's very similar. So to create that relationship within yourself, of course, you need to love yourself unconditionally. And of course, there's so many different steps. But what if someone's getting out of a, um, you know, maybe a long-term relationship where they were in a relationship for some time, you know, they felt alone or they just don't know what a healthy relationship could look like because not everyone had, of course, everyone has a different upbringing. So for some, they never seen a healthy relationship. Me, for example, you know, I grew up fatherless and adopted, never knew my dad, I was adopted by my aunt. So I never had that in front of me growing up. I had my grandfather and my grandmother, my grandfather, he was just abusive physically and verbally. So for me, that's kind of all I knew, but I don't want to spill the beans, but like I have my book coming and of course everyone knows, but I'm actually talking about that in my book and how I kind of like took pieces of his negativity as far as just like abuse. And I've experienced that myself in one of my darkest times, but for um, someone like me, who's never seen a healthy relationship growing up, where can you get the resources to build a relationship with yourself? Then you could go forward into an actual relationship with someone because you can't love someone if you can't hold your own self accountable to your own emotions. And I don't want to use, you know, my past as, oh, you know, like a scapegoat. I'm, you know, mm -hmm. I take full accountability. So wh what could someone do from here? Well, here's the thing. So it's very layered and there's no straight answer for everybody. Right. So one thing that I will say is that, you know what, and I'm a huge proponent of this. If you need to go get there, this is where I, this is kind of where I draw the line because life coaching, here's the thing. So with life coaching, we help through the process. Right. We're, we're kind of like the cheerleaders, so to speak. You know what I mean? To be able to say, oh, this is what it is that you want to do. Okay, well, let me help you. I'm the outsider looking in. So let me try to walk you through things. Whereas with, therapy they're going to take it much differently they want to get into the psychology they want to address pathologies and so on and so forth so that's a little bit over to the side but guess what i'm quick to make a referral like listen you might want to see a therapist you know to some of those things because when it comes to abuse and things like that that's a lot of psychological things because it creates these adverse effects on the psyche you know what i mean and that may stunt a person when they're developing as a person and unfortunately, if you don't crack down on those things or address that crackdown, but address these things, you may carry that baggage into other relationships and it may show itself within your actions. It doesn't have to be, oh, I keep going from one bad relationship to another. It could be I'm in a relationship. I think it's going OK, but am I self-sabotaging or something like that? So it can look at it, it can show itself in so many different ways. And so sometimes you need a professional to be able to, you know, help you out with that. Now, back over to the coaching, one thing that I can most definitely help with is that, you know, some people, they vent differently. And this is something that I touched on in a different interview is that the, the, the thing that I say is that if you're going to vent, make it productive, most definitely make it productive. So sometimes you can get around, you know, your peers or what have you, and they'll be like, yeah, you know, I was in a relationship, it didn't go so well. And then the person starts bashing that person to be able to like, yeah, I told you, shorty wasn't it. Or, you know what I mean? You was with that man and child, you know, you was with that girl and child, she was a gold digger or something like that. That's not productive. You get what I'm saying? Like for me, I know in my experiences, for my friends, if I'm venting, I label them as accountability partners. 
So they'll be able to say, you know what? Yeah, they wasn't right for doing that. But it's not one-sided and it's not biased. If I do something that's out of line or out of order, they'd be like, Quentin, you know what? You could have learned about that a little bit differently. You I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to interrupt you right there. I'm sorry. I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly what I was going with next. Friends, because we already talked on relationships, business, and mm. I think friends is going to be the biggest ones because we've all been there where we've had those friends that's shysty, phony, fake as fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, to be honest, like, there are a lot of, you know, Judases out mm. there as far as friends and enemies take forms as friends. And I've seen it again and again through my personal experience. I've actually lost, you know, one of my friends actually got killed by one of his quote-unquote friends that he hung out with every single day, mm-hmm. he got stabbed in the heart um, with a butter knife a couple hours before his birthday. And this was someone that he was hanging out with every single day because of envy. And he thought this person was his friend. So when it comes to relationships, communication, you know, we talked about business. Of course, we talked about relationships. Right. But with friends, with me, like that situation, you know, I talk about it a lot because it, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth because it's real it's real shit though you know what i mean so with friends i i honestly believe that friends is is a little bit more dangerous to have if you don't really weigh them out well versus mm-hmm. business and relationship so friends how do you pick your friends man like how do you pick your friends because i'm pretty sure i, I mean I, I don't know you, the type of friends that you have but i'm pretty sure all your friends aren't exactly the same someone else someone different brings something different to the table Friends, communication, relationship. How do you spot a good friend? How do you spot a phony friend? Um, right. Where do, where do uh, introverts, where do, where do they find friends? Touch on that. Okay, okay, cool. So uh, quick thing about me, I'm an introvert. <laughs> I love, so I'll just let you know with this whole coronavirus thing, it really hasn't bothered me too much because yeah. I'm like, well, I love staying in the house to begin with anyway. And so I'll hit you with this bit of advice. So my great-grandmother, and I say this all the time, I give her praises even though she has passed on a long time ago. This is one thing that she told me. She said, Quentin, and I had to be like seven or eight when she told me that. She said, you will be lucky if you have three good friends, okay? Three good friends. And I said, well, what makes a good friend? She says, if you're in an emergency and they come, you know what I mean? It's no questions. They come to you, they're like, hey, what's up, what's going on? Instead of questioning you, they're like, what do you need help with? How can I help you? You know what I mean? And it's reciprocated. It's reciprocated. And so it's not like they're doing stuff because they want something from you. They're not positioning themselves right next to you because they want to be just like you. You know what I mean? They take you for who you are. And you're able to fill that out. Some of the red flags that I've seen just in my experiences and my travels is that you know when you don't really have a good friend when they're trying to compare themselves with you. You know what I mean? That can be very toxic. You know, or they're always trying to tell you what it is that you need to be doing, especially when you haven't asked for their feedback. You know what I mean? And it's just like, okay, so are you my parent or are you my friend? Like, you know what I mean? What's going on? It goes back to those boundaries. It goes back to those boundaries. I remember I had a friend, I'll just share this really quickly. I, I had a good friend, at least from what I thought, you know, and for me, I was working in corporate healthcare and it just kept, it, it just certain things kept rubbing me the wrong way because I was more so attached to wanting to work with the underserved, which was Medicaid population and uninsured populations. And of course, those are the ones that get skipped over each and every single time because 
they create more expenses than profit. It just, it is what it is. And so I kind of let it go. I took some time. I had saved up money and things like that, but he didn't know this. And so he was like, yo, I really want you to come hang out with me. He was based in Atlanta, but he wanted to go to Houston. He's like, I really want you to come hang out with me, so on and so forth. And at this time, I'm back in Rochester. So here's the difference. Atlanta is a major hub, traveling hub. So of course, they get deals in and out of there each and every time. I think he was able to go to Houston for like $84 each way. You want to know how much my ticket was? My ticket was $356 one way and then $74 the other way. And so he was sitting there and the thing that caught me, he was like, you need to hurry up and get a job so you can come and, you know, come to Houston with me and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm actually fine financially. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he didn't know that. He just knew that I didn't have a job. And I noticed that he was using that as a way to kind of position himself up here, whereas I'm down here. So it was a competitive thing and I really wasn't aware of it until that happened. So when it hit me in my face, I'm like, oh, okay, so this is how you're maneuvering. So, you know, sometimes we go into situations because people offer the best version of themselves and we give them the benefit of the doubt. But we also see the red flags too. Because when that kind of slapped me in the face, I had to sit there and I had to think, but I had to have a conversation with myself. And I said, Quentin, and Quentin said what? I was like, there were some red flags that you overlooked. You know what I mean? You could have noticed in the book. Uh, I'm glad you that. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what oh, are yeah. some red flags that, and I want to make this really universal. Um, what are some red flags, maybe three when it comes to friends, or maybe they're all the same. Um, give me some red flags for friends, uh, businesses, and relationships. What's some red flags that maybe could relate with all three mm -hmm. or on each own category. Give us some red flags for people to look out for. I think, and these are the thing, the three that I'm going to come up with are going to be ones that are kind of like going to be able to go across the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Three, the three red flags that kind of stick out to me are people who cannot be, and these are my three principles, honestly, is that if you can't be transparent and what I mean by transparent, I'm not saying you got to bring your business, you know, you got to tell me all your business. I'm not saying that at all but I need you to clearly state what your intent is. If I'm being able to ask you pointed questions, you know, like say if you're dating somebody, and I know this is kind of like a, mm, I would say a couple of years ago, it was kind of a touchy subject, but now it just seems to be a free for all. One thing that I used to ask, you know, individuals upon meeting them is like, what's your body count? And the reason why I asked that question is because I worked in public health. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when you work <laughs> <laughs> and you see people coming in and out of there, you know, regarding like STIs and stuff like that, you're going to ask that question of being like, okay, what is your body count? And I noticed that some individuals couldn't be upfront with it. And so I'm like, okay, all right. And then emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And when you have emotional intelligence, you have the ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, to be able to have empathy. If you see somebody who's unable to do that and it's always got to be about them, you need to also understand that every time something comes out of their mouth, whether it's a statement, a question, or an idea, it's going to always come back to them anyways. Who wants to be in a friendship like that or any kind of relationship? Who wants to be in that? And if they're selfish, if they're selfish and it's like, you know, you can kind of see it where it's like, and you can hear it mostly in their, you know, vernacular sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Instead of we, it's an I all the time. When you're with somebody and you got to always tell them, like, um, it ain't about you no more. It's a we kind of situation. And you got to coach somebody on how to change their vernacular, especially in reference to both of y'all. That's a problem. 
it's funny as you're saying, like you're saying all this, and I'm pretty sure when people hear this, you know, like people are going to come to their mind. Like I'm thinking of so much people as you're saying, I'm like, yo, I knew that person was phony. <laughs> Not, but it's so, it's, it's honestly, it's so true, man. Like it's so true. Like I've, you know, I'm one person, you know, I have a big heart. You know what I mean? I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I'm not perfect. I don't walk around acting like I'm holier than thou. I like to be transparent. But when it comes to protecting my energy, Quinn, like protecting my energy. So where do you draw the line? Because, you know, we all handle things differently. You know, like everyone rumbles with something behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. So with relationships and communication, how do you handle adversity? You know, you have your accountability partners, as you mentioned, with your friends. Right. But what if you're dealing with something and, you know, it's just you? You know, mm-hmm. you, you said that you talk to yourself. So h- how do you figure out uh, where do you go from here if you don't want to bring everyone into your problems? Because sometimes, to be honest with you, sometimes your problems are your problems. You know what I mean? Right. And I don't want, your friends don't want to go home with your problems or whatever. So you don't want to put that on them. So wh- what do you do from there? Well, here's the thing. When you, I, this works for me. You know what I mean? This works for me. And I'll get to the other ways because there's so many different ways that people can deal with these type of situations. Like I said, venting, but if your friends don't want to be bothered, some people write letters to themselves. They write letters to themselves, and you know what I mean, as if they were going to send it to the person, and then they burn it afterwards. I've heard of that. I've done it. It works, depending upon the situation. Sometimes it's just as simple as you standing in the mirror and you having a conversation with yourself. Some people might think that's a little crazy, but listen, I'm not going to call you crazy even if you answer yourself, because sometimes what I tell people, especially if you're more auditory, because I'm an auditory learner. So sometimes I have to hear stuff in order for it to make sense. You know what I mean? And so you're kind of peeking, you're kind of looking into that. But the biggest thing, honestly, for me, the biggest thing is going to that person and being able to have that conversation. And guess what? Whether it's over the phone, face to face, whether you're on video chat or whatever the case may be, if you find yourself feeling drained, and we all have these pressure points. Mine is in my upper back. That's when I know a situation is draining me. And, you know, sometimes it's just like, you know what? I can't do this no more. It doesn't matter who's right, wrong, indifferent, or whatever. You just be like, I can't do it no more. And that's okay. That's okay. And that's the thing that people better realize because I think so many people walk on eggshells because they don't want to make the other person mad. They don't want to offend the other person. And it's not you being mean. It's not you being nasty. It's you being transparent. You be like, listen, this is too much pressure for me. I can't take it. So it could just be as simple as walking away. Now, the one thing that I will say is because, you know, some people just close it off. They'll block you on everything, I guess, ghost you and won't tell you what it really is. And I'm like, no, go and have that conversation. But at least you set the tone for what it is and you can set the tone moving forward. So you're not leaving that person guessing. So say, for example, you're out someplace and you run into that person. It could just be a, hey, how you doing? Because they know where you stand. Whereas if they don't know where you stand, that's when you get that reality, you know, TV show stuff where they want to walk up on you and be like, oh, well, we had a situation, but you ain't talked to me lately. What is going on? What's the issue? And now you're in a very precarious situation because you don't want to be bothered with that person. They don't brought up all these residual feelings that you thought you had dealt with, but you didn't properly close it out. You didn't give that proper closure. So now all of a sudden, you don't know. You may want to cuss them out. You may want to bop them in the head before you even get to that deal with the situation productively by going to have a conversation, let them know where you stand and just leave it like that. Mm. That's powerful. I mean, that, that's, that's extremely powerful. But uh, I, I saw some meme earlier 
and I, it was a picture and someone was holding a rope and it said, it's easier. It, it, you know, it's, it's, it's less painful just to let go. And, you know, some people hold on to, you know, old memories, old friends. And <laughs> this was something I, I, I honestly got to put myself out there on this too. This is something I was doing, I would say a couple of years ago where, you know, some friends, ex-friends did some things out of spite and I was holding that grudge. But I realized when you hold these grudges, it hurts you. And a person who cares less always wins. So I had to learn how to let that go. But how do you let that go, Quentin? Like, how does someone let that go? Like, hypothetically speaking, one of your friends do some snake, something out of the ordinary to you, someone that you've known for years, and they just, how do you, how do you let that go where it doesn't take away from your greatness and what you want to do? Do you forgive this person? Do you forget? Or like, where, where do you go from here? Is the relationship repairable? Well, here's the thing. It takes a lot of maturity because I've been in that situation before. And what I had to learn because it was actually in college. So, you know, in college, you know, you think you're invincible. Nobody can't touch you. And, you know, the way I used to do it, I was very immature back then. The way I dealt with things, I just closed it off. I didn't say anything to anybody. I would just look at you. And then I would turn my head like this, kind of like it's either that or you know how you can look at somebody, but you're looking through them instead of at them. You know what I mean? And in a way, that's your nonverbal talk. That's your nonverbal talking. You're pretty much telling the person, I'm checking for you, but I bet you you won't come over here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, you know, you have to eventually evolve and you mature. And when I got to that point, the way I was able to do it, I did a lot of research on myself. You know what I mean? To, you know, attachment styles. You know, that's something that's important to know how you attach to other people. That has a lot to do with your upbringing and how you attach to your parents and so on and so forth. That's just not relationships. That's friendships, too. Because the one thing that people put to realize is that sometimes you're in codependent relationships and friendships. You're with that person or that person is attached to you because there's something that you think is lacking within you. So you feel as though you have to outsource and go to that, be around that person in order to get that. And so once you figure out that you're whole and you are comfortable with yourself, it makes it easier for you to be able to sit the person down and come from a genuine place to be able to say, and of course, you know, if you feel like it's the, the relationship can be salvaged, then of course, be able to have those crucial conversations, very transparent conversations to identify the problem, hopefully come up, you know, see both perspectives and then hopefully come up with a solution and try with implementation. But if it's done, if it's done, you have to let it go. You have to make peace within yourself. And the one thing that I had to learn is that people waste so much time waiting for the other person to apologize. And you know that person inside and out. And some people you already know, you're not going to get an apology. So if you give that person that much power and you're waiting for that apology, you, you're going to be waiting for a long time. I hope you don't you know, waste your breath. And so in that case, that's when you go back to those other methods that identify. Write a letter. Just don't send it. Say whatever it is that you need to do to get it off your chest. Say it out loud. Sit in the mirror. Act like you have, you know, make act like you having a conversation with the person, but it's just you in the room. Express yourself the way it is that you need to so you can get all that stuff out because I'm huge on energy. You touched on it before. You're carrying all that negative energy. You have to let that go or else it's just going to sit. You know, I'm glad you brought up this point because now we're going to, you know, we started with, um, uh, relationships you went to business and friends and you know where we're going with this one next we're going into family um 
Yeah. I'm, you just said with Grudge's boy, I'm beefing with my own brothers. <laughs> like, I have, I get it. I you know, like, my mom, you know, my mom had eight kids. You yeah. know, I honestly got into an argument with my younger, I think it was my younger brother. I think it was like uh, about two weeks ago. You know, he released, um, my brother-in-law and him released some joint mixtape or whatever. Mm. And he has his, his sneakers that he left at my house. And I'm like, yo, bro, I'll send you your sneakers when you release a mixtape. He's never released an official project. So my brother-in-law took it upon himself to actually release a joint project with him. So my younger brother texts me on a messenger and says, yo, send me my shoes, bitch. I'm like, nigga, who the f*** you talking to? Who the f*** you talking to? First of all, who you calling a bitch? I'm a king. Don't disrespect me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know, you know, I know complete strangers that would never talk out their face but for you to be my younger sibling and to talk to me crazy, like there is a lack of uh, respect as far as this communication. And again, that's upbringing. Back to what I mentioned before, my grandfather, my grandmother. So mm -hmm. I can't really hold that over your head. But then I have another situation with my older brother where I believe this is, I mean, I don't even talk about this in a book, but this is just good to talk about now. But I remember when my girl was expecting my brother, I remember calling him. He was like probably the first one I called. And he was like, yo, how do you know it's yours? Nigga, what? Nigga, like, you know what's crazy? I'm not trying to put anyone's business out there, but I know that that was honestly coming from a place because he walked in on his significant other getting, getting you know what I'm saying? Right. In right. his, in their house together. And they end up having a miscarriage. So I understand where that's coming from and where my younger brother's coming from because there are some people that's intimidated by their own greatness. Right. You know what I mean? So with family, it, it's always going to be like that. You know what I mean? So, damn, I, I, I was not expecting to go there with you, but I'm glad I did because, like you said, trans, like be transparent, man. Like That's just where I'm at. So right. what can you say to someone whose greatest enemy is in their own family. You know, like you're constantly bickering with your family. And I'm noticing, Quentin, to be honest with you, I'm noticing with my siblings, because my grandmother has like eight daughters. So with, with my mom being the next generation with her eight kids, I'm noticing that there's like a little pattern. And I don't want us to have the relationship that, you know, my aunts have where they're constantly bickering and holding grudges over the years, which you just touched on, which I'm glad that you mentioned, and I'm spending a lot more time with family because, yo, you know, family you're given and your friends you pick. You know what I mean? So you pick your own friends for a reason. They add value. But right. your family, I love my family unconditionally. Like, I don't care what they say about me or what they do. I'll always love, you know, my brothers and my sisters and my aunts and whomever. But, like, what can you do? There has to be a limit, Quentin. Like, th like there's a limit. And, and this is what I would say because I had to do this myself because, you know, family you i have yet to find a family that is not dysfunctional okay there's always families with some level of dysfunction and what worked best for me is that i had to do research and what i mean by research is that you know birth order has a lot to do with it whether you're the firstborn the middle child the last child you know sometimes or the youngest child rather there's some things that come with it you know what i mean with the first, i was the firstborn i was the firstborn so you know, a lot of times we tend to be looked at as like the controllers. We're the ones that, you know, got to have it all together. We got to have our hands on things. And, you know, the ones that are coming up behind us, they may be looking like, oh, 
he or she, you know, being that you're the oldest, you think you got it all and all this other stuff. But what they fail to realize, you got to also understand, too, everybody's getting a snippet of the full picture based on where they are in their placement. Because if you're the firstborn, a lot of times, I know for me, I had to take care of my siblings. I was the babysitter. I was the in-house babysitter. So that kind of forced me to grow up faster than what I needed to. I couldn't sit there and play the video game all day. I had to watch my siblings. And so when you go down the pecking order, again, where they fall at, there are certain things that are kind of amplified based on their, you know, their placement. That's just like even with the youngest child. People always say, oh, the parents must be burnt out because they let the child get away with anything and everything. So don't be surprised when you hear certain things come out their mouth and you be like, wait, as the old child, I wouldn't have been able to get away with that. You know what I mean? And so you have that layer right there. And then another thing that you talked about is just generational things, generational cycles. And so I think the biggest thing, especially now with our generation, with the millennials and then the ones that's coming up behind us, I think the most important part is that we're trying to break the cycles. We're trying to break the cycles of dysfunction. Well, how do you do that? through communication, effective, transparent communication. But see, here's the issue. The issue is that everybody doesn't want to be there. Some people, and I've noticed with the older generation, they're having a hard time get to that, getting to that, especially with you know, people of color. We're quick to be like, what happened in this house? Stayed in this house. It does not leave out that front door. You know <laughs> what I mean? Anything that happens, we slide it up under the rug. We act like it didn't happen. And so when you bring up all that old stuff, it's going to ruffle some feathers. It's going to ruffle some feathers. So depending upon who you are, which generation they fall in, the one thing that I will say is that you have to be patient because everybody's not where you are. And that was one thing I had to learn, you know, and in my particular case, I had to take a step back. I was like, you know what, Quentin, everybody's not ready for real conversation. And then here's the, here's the caveat to all that. In my family, when they would say, oh, I'm, you don't, you're not ready for real conversation, it came off real adversarial. Like as if you in the streets or something like you're trying to handle me in the streets, whereas I was coming from it from a very transparent and more, I guess, intellectual bend of being like, no, you're not ready for real talk because we don't talk about transparency, effective communication, talking about what that looks like. So sometimes you may be speaking the same language, but the intent behind it may be totally different. One person's coming from it from a more intellectual standpoint. The other person may be coming from it from a more... Mm, urban standpoint <laughs> you know what I mean and so you have all these different layers and sometimes what I would say sometimes when you're trying to address that conflict sometimes it's best to have somebody that's there that can be objective that's going to remain neutral to be able to say listen this is what this person is saying this is what this person is saying both of y'all are valid okay because what you find is that people are arguing from their perspective and they want to be right and that's what people put to realize. It's not about being right. That's really what it is. It's not about being right. It's about you bringing your perspective to the table and being like, okay, let's dissect that. And for the other person to listen to it, to be like, you know what? I noticed that when I said such and such, it really ruffled your feathers, but guess what? I didn't mean it like that. Then you get into intent versus impact. Even though when you say something, you may intend it one way, but when it landed and when that person received it, that impact, that impact me, may be totally different. So like I said, when it comes to family, and this can happen in all relationships, but I think family being that you have the, you know, the generations and then you have, you know, larger families and, you know, the order when people were born, so on and so it's multi-layered. It is definitely multi-layered. And when you start to stir the pot, stir the pot up here, talk today, 
you have to most definitely understand that you can't go at it alone. Because if you go at it alone, it's going to be easier for people to push you out. And your perspective is not going to be heard, especially when people are not in that place of maturity to be able to say, no, come on, let's have the conversation and be able to embrace it and not embrace it in an adversarial manner. You know, so it's a lot of things that you have to do. That's why I think like when you watch Ayana Van Zandt or whatever, she's proficient as a life coach, but even still, and I don't think she does it for TV, you still see people blow up because they haven't gotten a chance to be in that specific place, that transparent place to be able to receive some things because their defenses are still up and they're still taking things personally. You have to get past that to be able to have a productive conversation. I think that's, I think that's powerful. It just goes back to what I said before. You know, I've learned that holding a grudge only hurts me. Oh yeah, it does. It does. Whoever uh, cares less pretty much just wins in that situation. But I kind of want to throw another one since we're on the topic of family. Mm -hmm. uh, and communication and uh, relationships, you know, back to what I said before, you know, I'm not trying to make this a therapy session, but it's really all good points. You know, I grew up fatherless and adopted. So for me, when I was a kid, and I talk about this in my book, I always grew up questioning, you know what I'm saying? Like Father's Day, okay, Father's Day would come, like, I, like, you know, like, I would always question what would having a father feel like, um, why do I feel less than, um, who can I speak to about uh, such and such? But when it comes to the generations before us, you know, um, I definitely think that there is a bridge and there's a gap as far as just communicating because I try to have this conversation with my mom on countless occasions. And I know this is like some real personal stuff, but you know, I, I try to have the conversation, hey mom, what was um, my pops was like, you know what I'm saying? But I understand that there is like a wall there that, you know, people, parents put up because they want to protect you. But also, you know, there's something called communication, which is why we're here today. And what can, what, let me, let me rephrase this. You know what they say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And there's some people, of course, the older generation, which is stuck in their old mentality of thinking, how can I break through to, you know, how can we break through to the generation before us? that's stuck in their ways, that believe in their old way of thinking, the whole um, mar marriage before uh, sex, and just the old way of thinking. How can we communicate as millennials to the generation before us and say, no, you're, you kind of have a point, but you're wrong about what you're doing. I understand you want to protect my emotions, but I have every single right to know the facts. You need to communicate with me. I understand that you want to protect me, 28, damn near 30. Black don't crack unless you smoke it. But tell me, <laughs> communicate with me. How can we communicate with our aunts, our uncles, grandma, grandpa? How can we communicate um, and build that relationship based on the time that we have remaining? And that's, and that's an excellent question. You brought up some very valid points. And I would just say, when you are trying to cross that generational divide, you have to find something that's familiar to them. You got to also understand it because Let's think about it. We're the technology, you know what I mean, generation. If people come to me, that's just like, um, oh my goodness, what thing did I see circulating a while back, you know what I mean, on Instagram or, you know, social media, they had younger people, people in our generation, you know, trying to use those old rotary phones. Mm -hmm. But we knew nothing about that, not really. 
But if you were to give that to an older person, they would know exactly about that. They'd be able to sit back and be like, look at this young buck trying to use this rotary phone and don't know how to use it. So it's the same thing with communication. You have to bring something familiar, you know what I mean, in order to kind of like level set the playing field, so to speak. And the one thing that I would say is ask them their experience. Don't go into it being judgmental because a lot of times we got to check our nonverbals. You have to check your nonverbals. I'm writing that down, Quinn. I'm writing that down. <laughs> that's that's good. That's good. Yo, say that like again, ask them about their experience. I think Look, that's ask them about their experience because here's the thing. The issue that I've started to see between generations is that the older generation, the baby boomers especially, they look at us and they're like, oh, they think they know how it was back when we were, you know, their age. Well, guess what? And some of us, and, and you know what, not even gonna lie, there's some of us that walk around thinking that we do know and we wouldn't have known. Like if you would take some of us and you place us in that time period, we wouldn't make it. Let's just be honest. We wouldn't make it. We would be stressed out. if we. I knew, wouldn't last in slavery. I wouldn't last. I ain't thinking nothing. Listen, think about segregation. Yeah. So think about being told you have to go in one door. You can't go through the front door. You got to go through the back door. All because of your skin color. You get what I'm saying? Something that you can't control. You can't prepackage like this. Like, you know, when a car rolls off the assembly line and it's that color. Listen, I'm this color and you telling me I got to go to the back because of this and then I can't control that. So you got to think about all of that. And that's the reason why some people have been shaped the way that they are. Mm -hmm. That's why sometimes due to emotional trauma and sometimes, you know, especially not being able, I think we're a lot, we're a lot more fortunate because we can talk about these things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or we can say, you know what? I grew up in an abusive household and things like that. And this is why I have to, you know, experience, you know, this is why I experienced the, the things that I did or I react this way. We're very introspective. You got to think about it. This is a luxury. Right. If baby boomers was able to have the same thing, that's a luxury to them. And it's to a point where they don't even know how to do it. So I think if you came to your mother and you were like, listen, I understand, you know, things could have been tough. You worked with the tools that you had. You know what I mean? You did what you could with what you had. That's that famous saying. You know what I mean? And so that takes the judgment out of it. It takes the judgment out of it. And to be able to say, you know what, I'm just curious. What was it like when you were younger? What was it like when you were dating? You get what I'm saying? And then it can kind of give you a little bit more background as to being like, okay, maybe I can, there may be more similarities than what you think. And even if there's no similarities, it would give you the ability to be able to empathize with the individuals. So you're not coming off like, I want answers. I need them now or whatever else, because then they're going to think, oh, well, he's just entitled. He's just entitled, and you expected me to give you all this stuff, and you're not even trying to figure out whether I'm in this space to even give you, you know what I mean, this information. So it becomes an adversarial thing because you're going and you're looking for something. But if you go, it's just like, you know, I'm just curious. You know what I mean? How was it, you know, when you were growing up and things like that? It's, it's a way to kind of like, it's, it's a way of bonding so to speak. And I noticed that when people are bonding, they're more inclined to share more intimate details because it makes people feel safe. You know, Nas, Nas said it in the song, I think it was Adam and Eve. He's like, you learn who you are when you're around family. And that is so powerful. Yeah. So powerful. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to the little quote, you know, family you're giving and your friends you pick. So I look around at my friends, I look at my family and I'm like, okay, it makes sense. It makes sense. So honestly, if it wasn't for family, you know, 
dis I want to say disrespecting me, but kind of like looking out for again, if I were to put myself in your shoes and say what you say, like for example, my older brother always gets on me about like, you know, business. Like for example, I think I borrowed a hundred dollars from him and he was like, yo, yo, you owe me extra. Extra. You nah, borrowed a hundred dollars. He's like, I want interest. Mm. I'm like, interest. I'm like, yo, I'm trying to teach you about business. You need like and I'm like all right, but it's like those little things, those little nuggets. Honestly, they they go a long way. Right. And there's some people. I'm pretty sure you could definitely attest to this. There's some people that really mean well, but come about it in a really weird way. It right. sounds disrespectful, de depending on how you take it. So how can you? Because I struggled with this before. Like I think about two months ago, someone said something to me. It's like, oh, if you always have the mentality that you have, you know. You, you'll never go anywhere. I'm like, bro, you don't even know me, bro. But I understand exactly what you're saying. You're absolutely right. At that moment, I took it as disrespect. But mm -hmm. he, like, but there's a way that, you know, we react to it. And, you know, right. the Nipsey right. once said, you know, I got him on the wall. He said, you know, we have to reassess, you know, when we're disrespected. We need to reassess how we react. So, Quentin, how does one react to being disrespected in a business relationship, mm -hmm. friendship, I think relationships more, you know, they really, they pull a lot. They have a lot more rope. Right. Um, how do you, how do you handle disrespect? How do you handle disrespect to begin with, number one? Mm -hmm. And how do you filter out disrespect with good intention? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, just disrespect and being disrespect. Like my younger brother calling me a bitch. All right, that's disrespect, bro. I'm mm -hmm. punching your mouth. But we brothers, you know, we're going to fight. <laughs> about right, it. Right. But how do you handle disrespect? Well, oh, if you have this mindset, you'll never progress in business. How mm -hmm. do you handle that? It's basically having a conversation. But before you have that conversation, you know what I mean? I look at it as like, you have to do an emotional check on yourself. Because a lot of, and I, I had to learn this about myself. A lot of times we take, we take things personally and we have to kind of get out of that. You know, because sometimes whether you realize it or not, and this is some stuff that you probably will never ever know. You, you may encounter a person and they may quote unquote disrespect you or you may perceive that they disrespected you in some kind of a way. And sometimes it may not even have nothing to do with you. Mm. You just were probably in the way. You were just used to seem to be collateral damage. So the way that you piece that together is you go and you have a conversation with that person. But before you do that, don't be offended and have your defenses up and be angry and go do that. You know what I mean? Calm down. Go check yourself for a little bit. You know like how my grandmother says, go in the corner and see about yourself. Mm. Calm down. And then after that, you pull the person aside to be like, hey, I took it like this. I perceived you to be, you know, abrasive, you know, and, and it offended me, you know what I mean? And then it gives the person the, the option to be able to say, listen, I didn't mean it like that. You know, I'm sorry if I came off that way. Now, on the other hand, if they intended to be disrespectful and they further confirm that, then that leaves it for you to be able to figure out what steps, what it needs to look like moving forward. You can kind of say, okay, well, I can see you being real disrespectful. You know what I mean? If that's the way you feel as though you want to communicate, that's fine for you, but that doesn't work for me. So I'm going to be over here. So maybe it's not best that we carry on this friendship or maybe it's not best that we carry on this business relationship or on down the line. And then again, that's when you set boundaries because mm -hmm. you never know that person may take it in and be able to say, you know what? I really want this business deal, but maybe I need to change my mindset because you got to think about it too. There's some people who go through life and people feel a certain kind of way about them, but no one has never ever said anything. So you may be that first person to be able to say, 
you know, you're being real disrespectful and that's not cool. You know what I mean? So you're the first person to bring it to their attention, even though they probably knew it was there. No Great. one ever made it a point to be able to say, this is out of order. You know what I mean? To be able to, what we say, call them on their shit. You know what I mean? And so you have to get over that hump as well. So you have to just literally take it one step at a time. And it's kind of like a play by play kind of thing. But at the end of the day, what you have to also understand is that the ball is always in your court because you're responsible for yourself. So whatever you perceive or however you handle it or however you move forward, that's on you. Mm. Preach. And that's honestly my point when I, you know, I, when I had to check my younger brother, I'm like, yo, bro, like, I'd rather check you than some grown man in the street check you. Right. Right. Because this could legit save your life. Exactly. You can't be, you can't be, you honestly, bro, like, you really can't be walking around calling people out their name because everyone handles things differently. So that's number one. So definitely to test that point. Thank you. Thank you for that question and answering that question thoroughly, man. It really does mean a lot for everyone that's listening. Um, I, I actually have one more question for you. And I think this is powerful too. What if you're in the wrong? What if you're the disrespectful person and lacking the communication, whether it's just business, you know, uh, relationships or family, do you, do you believe in rebuilding burn bridges? Well, of course, of course, because what I explained, it works in the reverse. You know what I mean? Like, again, whoever calls you out on it, because again, that could be the first time that someone has ever called you out on it. Maybe everybody else, maybe people in your family, maybe your significant other, whoever has given you a free pass. And you, we've all heard it. You'd be like, oh, that's just so-and-so. That's what they do. That's how we act. And we just overlook it. Well, what you feel to realize is that it's still making everybody miserable. <laughs> you know yeah, what I, mean? straight up, straight like, up. I mean? I really want people to understand this because a lot of people will be like, oh, that's just how I am. Yeah, well, being that who you are, when you walk in, you drain everybody. Mm -hmm. You put everybody on eggshells, okay? It's just no one has said anything, and there's somebody, nine times out of ten, it's a parental figure or a grandmother or something like that or a grandpa. Leave that baby alone. Let that baby be who that baby is. You know what I mean? But in order to bring it full circle, you have to also be like this. One day, you have to come to the conclusion that the way that you've been maneuvering is no longer serving you. Mm. Now, for some people, in order for them to get that point, something traumatic has to happen. And what I say is life has to sit them on their ass in order for them to reevaluate all these different things, their personality, how they've been treating people, how they talk to people, so on and so forth. And some people, it doesn't have to get to that point. Sometimes you can sit down and have a real conversation with them. Now, I will say this. When you have the real conversation with them, you have to be patient because it takes a while to get rid of old habits, especially if it's a habit that you've been, you know, doing your whole life. And this person is probably in their late 20s, early 30s, or even beyond that. It's going to take a while for them to break it on down. You know, but if they're making that effort in order to change, then guess what? It's like a little kid. You know what they used to do in elementary school? They would have those little behavior mods up. And they'd be like, oh, you had a good day today. Let me move your car one thing. And then if you get all the way here, then guess what? You get a prize. Some people, you have to do that. You know what I mean? But it has to get to a point where they're changing. If you see they're changing their mindset, they're doing things differently, then y'all have to pray. You know, people have to praise that. But if they continue to still just do them, they're still being nasty, they're still being all these other things, then guess what? You're going to have to let life just sit them on their ass. And if it's you, 
it goes for the same thing. Sometimes life has to sit you on your ass so then you can really be forced to deal with the things that you need to deal with before you can move forward. That's and you don't ever move forward until you do it. That is so powerful. Um, it definitely just attests back to, you know, what you mentioned earlier, but you got to have that uh, conversation with yourself. You must have that relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think, honestly speaking, you know, just on this episode, man, like you, man, this is like really good, man. Like, you know, uh, the questions, the answers, uh, really good. And just has me thinking that there are a lot of people right now that are not aware of, you know, what's going on as far as just the relationship that is, that's non-existent with themselves and they don't know how to communicate with themselves or handle their own emotions. Not everyone has emotional intelligence. There are some people that believe in that or they just believe that they're always right and they're never wrong. Mm-hmm. So from this point, because I want to end off here, what are three things, maybe three or five, give me maybe three or five. Mm-hmm. What are three things uh, someone could do right now to maybe restore or build that relationship with themselves? I would say the first one, I'll give you three. The first one is to be self-aware. And so people would be like, oh, how do you do that? Journaling is a good way to do that, to be able to get your thoughts down, to be able to figure out more so how you think. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times, here's the, here's, here's the more interesting part, is that sometimes people, you, you think you're autonomous and you're thinking for yourself, but sometimes you're not. And the, the reason why I say that is because we're programmed. We're programmed by our parents, by our grandparents and other family members or the people that were around us. And unfortunately, when we get to a certain age, either that programming still sticks. That's how you see people being in the same habits. They do the same things over and over and over and over and over again. Or eventually that programming breaks down. And once that programming breaks down, then that means that you really have to figure out who you are, your crux of it, what you like, what you don't like, you know, those, you know, and this is one exercise that I can give people to do is that be able to describe yourself in 10 words. But do not include the car you drive. Don't include your profession. Do not include um, the company that you work for, how much money you make. So those are superficial things. Mm. You know, to be able to say, you know what, I sat down with myself and come to find out I'm a very compassionate person. And I'm a compassionate person and I love pets. I love dogs or something. Because that's something that's a part of you that no one can take away. That's Mm. always going to be there. You get what I'm saying? And so you have to be self-aware. And also the second one is that emotional intelligence. There's a plethora of resources that you can read about emotional intelligence. And basically in a nutshell, your emotional intelligence is just for you to have some empathy. Honestly, is to be able to, it's the ability to be able to look and be able to say, okay, I see where this other person is going. Let me put myself in their shoes. Let me understand where they're coming from or what have you. So when you're having a conversation with them, it's not just you. It's not your perspective that t- that trumps everything. You're taking that other perspective into consideration. So that's that's the second one. And then the third one, honestly, is just being truthful with yourself. Mm. We have a, a lot of people have a difficult time with that. You know, you got to think about. There's a lot of people out there that tell themselves lies each and every day. You know what I mean? They'll look in the mirror and they'll be like, "Oh, I'm a bodybuilder," and you're not a bodybuilder. You know what I mean? They'll be like, oh, I'm an Instagram model. And you're not an Instagram model. You know what I mean? Like, now I'm not saying, you know, tear yourself down or anything. Like, what I'm saying is be realistic. 
Now, if you want to be a bodybuilder one day, that's fine. Or you want to be an IG model one day, that's fine. But you have to figure out where you start. When you have gold, you have to figure out where you start and where you end. And your job is to be on the journey in the middle to be able to say, okay, I'm going along my journey. Okay, that's a nugget. I'll put it in my back pocket. I may not need it right now, but I may need it along the way. You know what I mean? And you get these nuggets, you get these nuggets and you keep them in your bag and you utilize them until it's, you know, needed until you achieve your goal. So then you can be able to say, oh, I look back and this is where I started, but this is where I finished. Yeah. That's powerful. Wow. Quentin Dukes. Wow. Guys. Oh, man. What? Yo, Quentin. Yo, thank you again for just like stopping by, dropping so much gems. You see me, bro. I've been smiling this entire time. Right. No, I'm. (laughs) Bro, honestly, honestly speaking, like to be honest with you, this was a lot better than I thought it would because I had some questions ready for you. Then I had some random ones that just went with the questions that I asked you, man. And you gave us so much more than you needed to. And I really know, and I know it, and I feel it in my spirit. That's why I'm saying it. I feel that this episode is going to help someone, like, right. like big time. Because this, you know, people come with messages, man. Mm-hmm. People come with messages. And some of the stuff that you were saying, to be honest with you, like resonated and hit me. You know what I'm saying? Like hit me spot on. And I wanted to use myself as an example because, again, just because I wear it well don't mean the crown ain't heavy. You know what I'm saying? So I have my own things that I rumble with. And mm-hmm. I always want I'm like, oh, well, you know, how should I handle this? But it's really good to hear a professional's point of view. Guys, again, uh, check out Quentin Dukes. Uh, Quentin, what's your Instagram? Well, I'm actually rebranding right now. So I tell everybody, if you want to get in touch with me, actually hit me on LinkedIn. Perfect. So it's just my name, Quentin, Q-U-I-N-T-I-N, and then Dukes, D-U-K-E-S. And they can hit me up there on LinkedIn because, like I said, I'm shifting my branding right now. So you can hit me on LinkedIn or you can shoot me an email. It's Quentin Dukes, same spelling, the number two at gmail.com, no spaces. Perfect. Um, Man, you just, you don't throw in LinkedIn, man. I was ready to go, but you know what? <laughs> let's talk, let's, let's talk about LinkedIn before I let you go, because obviously, you know, we met and we connected on LinkedIn and you know, it's a different language on LinkedIn versus Instagram. Mm. And you know, you know, I don't, you know the shade room. You know how to get down there. Right. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> LinkedIn is more uh, professional. Um, you meet like-minded individuals like yourself. But anyone just starting out on LinkedIn, well, what what's some advice as far as this communication and relationship? I think that's extremely powerful on LinkedIn. If you don't got that, you ain't going nowhere. Oh yeah. What, what is some advice that you would recommend? Because Honestly, again, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but Quentin actually reached out to me, which I'm honestly, I'm grateful, I'm thankful for. But what, are, what is some advice that you would give someone when it comes to establishing some type of rapport on a platform that's foreign to you? Okay, good question, good question. And, and here's the thing that I will say, because I've had LinkedIn since, oh, maybe 2012. So I've been able to see the evolution of LinkedIn. Now, when I first got on LinkedIn, and the only reason why I got on LinkedIn was because I was finishing my master's program and I was getting ready to enter, you know, corporate healthcare. And everything had to be so buttoned up. You know what I mean? Everything had to be so buttoned up, so professional. You know, you had to make sure you had your headshot. Your headshot's supposed to reflect this ultra professional person. And now what I've started to see is that some people are treating it not close to Facebook, but it's starting to get there. People are starting to be, and what I mean by that is people are starting to be more intimate. 
they're starting to share certain things about their lives that they wouldn't have never done before. If they would have did that, like if they would have posted a picture of their significant other and their kids or what have you, and they put it on there, if it wasn't, you know, palpable, you know what I mean, where it wasn't cute and fuzzy, people would have been like, oh, this isn't Facebook. What are you doing? And they would put that in the comments, whereas now I don't see that anymore. So my advice now where LinkedIn is specifically, what I would say is, of course, you know, be professional. You know, I think that's the best thing, especially when you're reaching out to people and you're connected. Be professional. Even when you're sending a connection, what people like is for them to, for the person who's sending the connection request to put like a little blurb in there to be able to say, hey, you know what I mean? Saw your post and, or, you know, saw something that you posted and, uh, or a thread that you participated in. I saw your idea and, you know, this really touched me or I feel as though this is a business opportunity we can collaborate on so on and so forth. But the other thing that I've also realized too is that once you get past that, then the person, it seems like they begin to let their guard down, so to speak. So you still want to keep it semi-professional, semi-casual, you know what I mean? To have those boundaries, but it gets to a point where the communication is free-flowing the way that you would see something like maybe Instagram, not as far as Facebook, because I've seen some crazy things on Facebook, but you know what I mean? Maybe an Instagram or something like that. So that would be my advice. If you see somebody, you see their post or they posted a video or something and it touched you, you know, when you send that request, give like a short blurb. If you don't, because sometimes I know I send friendship like connection requests and it'll take really quickly and won't give you the option to, you know, put that blurb in there. Make sure you go out and you reach out to that person very quickly to be able to say, hey, this is the reason why I'm reaching out to you. Thank you for, you know, accepting my LinkedIn connection or what have you. And then that's how the conversation gets going. Powerful. Powerful guys. Um, again, if you're not connected on LinkedIn, connect. Um, there is people like Quentin out here that's inspiring and impacting and changing lives in many different ways. Um, just guys, just get connected. Add Quentin on LinkedIn. This would be the first person you add, then add me. But um, get get connected, guys. Put yourself out there. You know, they say what you're never gonna win the game sitting on the bleachers, but. You know, you, you got to put yourself in a different room. Just don't sit on Instagram and Facebook all day. You, you know what's going on there. Maybe it's time for you to, you know, branch out and communicate and actually build relationships, relationships that's actually going to open doors. But there's an incredible saying, when doors meet doors, something magical happens. So the great thing about that, guys, is again, you know, it comes down to mindset, hold yourself accountable, put yourself out there and build these relationships because, you could have a great conversation and interview like I just had with Quentin. And what this does is this cements something in the ground. Now I'm going to want to collaborate with Quentin in the future. So Quentin, on the record real quick, um, what state do you live in? Um, right now I'm in Ohio, but I wanted to actually chuckle because I'm from Rochester, New York. So. Oh. <laughs> oh, so once, you know, quarantine is over, because I have more questions, man. And, you know, I know like we're all pressed for time, but. Whenever quarantine is over, I definitely want to invite you to come down in studio. Um, you know, I have the whole production team and we can actually legit live, live stream this. Mm -hmm. sit down in person, one-on-one -on -one interview in studio on Sinclair Speak Show. Um, definitely open door, man. I would definitely love to meet you in person. Mm -hmm. And yeah, let, 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 let's go from there. And um, I'm excited again. Guys, this is Quentin Dukes. Again, don't forget to connect with him and follow him on LinkedIn. Uh, you have any other uh, social platforms you want to put out? Um, I'll just put those out because, like I said, I'm rebranding. I'm trying to get my well, I'm in the process of looking at some different platforms for my website, mm -hmm. and of course, I want it to all correlate with social media, so it'll be up in a month.
So by the time we have the face-to-face -face interview, I'll have all that. Perfect. Another reason before I let you go, Quentin, uh, one of the reasons why I decided to create the St. Clair Speak Show, because my, my whole motto behind this is my vision is bigger than me. So mm -hmm. I kind of want to give you the floor if you want to end off this episode. Mm -hmm. um, I can honestly, I'll give you, let me actually put you, I don't mean to put, I don't like putting people on time, but if you want to say something for the last minute, closing thoughts. Um, well, as a closing thought, like you said, I, the reason why I do the life coaching is because it's bigger than me. You know, honestly, I went into this because I started, it started when I was in corporate healthcare, and I used to sit in rooms where people would have a conflict, and it was so mind-boggling to me because people would both be speaking English, like both people would be speaking English, but it seemed like they were talking past each other, you know what I mean, and they weren't receiving what the other person was saying, so therefore it was always, it always resulted in a stalemate. You know, and some people actually got off on that. Being in the business world, some people actually got off on that. They're like, did you see how I got them to be quiet? You know what I mean? And I was able to over talk them and all this other stuff. And I'm just kind of like, but that's not the way that you should be communicating. And so when I started, to, when I struck it out on my own, I was like, you know what? This is something that I definitely want to do. And it was, it's helped me. And I'm still, and this is the more important part. I'm still a work in progress. We're all works in progress. So basically what I'm saying is, is that Take time, get to know yourself, learn about yourself so you can better navigate life and better engage other people along your journey. This is the St. Clair Speak Show.